This morning, this first hour will be an open line, then a conversation with the state's attorney in Champaign County, Julia Reitz. Tomorrow at the 10, my guest will be the president and CEO of Busey, Van Dukeman. In the news this morning, if you're talking about national or international news, it's mostly North Korea. Talk about that here in just a moment. Noticed uh, this uh, story in the Tribune this morning. A hearty congratulations to Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan, who on Saturday became the longest-serving State House Speaker in U.S. history. Not just in Illinois, folks, but uh, in history, all states, United States history. The man is in the history books. First elected speaker in 1983, he outlasted former South Carolina speaker Solomon Blatt's 11,893-day tenure, until now regarded as the longest by the National Conference of State Legislators. So Madigan has been, you thought Madigan had been in there for a real long time? Well, you're right. 11,894 days. He's been Speaker of the House. The story says, Don't expect any crowing from Madigan. His office didn't mark the milestone. And uh, his spokesman, Steve Brown, said, I haven't discussed it with him. Ask whether the Speaker was proud of his achievement. Brown offered only the blandest of comments, saying he's had a long career. Probably wasn't an oversight. Madigan, after all, celebrated his record-breaking 17th re-election in January by gifting every Democratic House member with an engraved clock. Every Democratic House member, except Scott Drury, that is, who protested Madigan's long tenure by voting present against his reappointment. That's what we've been telling you all along. You can go there. You can have all kinds of ideas about how you're going to change things, how you're going to go against Madigan. And then pretty soon you are lonely. You can't get anything done. Governor Bruce Rauner and the Republicans have continued to hammer Madigan as the source of the state's problems and to paint the Democratic candidates for governor as Madigan's lackeys. Madigan, who has always preferred to keep a low profile, likely sees little margin 
in taking a lap of honor. Though he has now outlasted Blatt's 32 and a half years as House Speaker, he still has another six years to go before he bests the 53 years that Blatt spent in the member, as a member of the South Carolina House. Madigan's already 75, but history suggests that folks who bet against him tend to lose. And uh, Sarah has given us a text already this morning. She said, might it be possible to take a wing or two of the Champaign County nursing home and convert it into a jail space? Or maybe the whole building, if space is really as tight as we're told in the old and satellite jails. Other choice is to let the county board be allowed to hire their usual excellent construction companies to build from scratch. Yeah, that's a story that's in the paper the, the, this morning. We're going to talk about uh, some. Champaign officials are again looking at closing the nearly 40-year-old downtown Urbana jail and building an addition to the satellite jail in East Urbana. The ADA-mandated fixes at the present facility are needed and that's the big part of the the reason they're saying we got to do something. We got to make a move here. As far as the uh, national news is concerned, international uh, to Secretary of State Rex Tillerson says President Trump is sending North Korea a strong message with the quote the warning of the coming fire and fury. United States Air Force jets were taking off from Guam in a training exercise last night, ensuring that they can, quote, fight tonight. White House advisor Stephen Miller says about immigration, what's happening now is not the norm. And scientists have called out the New York Times for incorrect claim about climate control. U of I professor helped write the climate report that's being discussed. Then we'll see if Rush picks up on this today. He talks about climate control uh, at least once a week. Locally, OSF Healthcare, based in Peoria, is buying the presence facilities in both Champaign and Danville understand they have assigned a letter of intent and the sale will take place early next year. Jim Dye's editorial today is about the hornet's nest that has been stirred up in Chicago with the tax on sugary soft drinks. And letters to the editor today are very interesting. I'll take a look at those as well. So those are just some of the things on... uh, the agenda for today, if you like those stories and uh, have a comment or a question about them as we go through, you can jump right in. 356-9397 is our phone number. Our Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 3515357. And if you want to bring up something entirely new, 
That's okay, too, because that's what we do on an open line. It's 12 minutes past 9 o'clock, 74 degrees, another beautiful day in Champaign-Urbana. San Diego thinks they have this good weather, but uh, they have not been here lately, right? Wow. Keep your fingers crossed. We'll take a break. It's even got uh, Lovey Smith out on his bike, traveling from practice uh, back to his uh, office or to the locker room or wherever he goes, and something he used to do when he was with the Bears, I remember. But uh, he just uh, says it's, uh, there's a quote in the paper this morning about it was relaxing, a good break, uh, et cetera, about the right distance. Well, it's about a mile. We'll take this break. We're coming right back. Phone line's open. Have you written a check to pay for nursing home? Phone lines open uh, until uh, 10 o'clock uh, this morning. And we'll visit with uh, Julia Reitz after that. 356-9397 is the phone number. Governor Bruce Rauner said yesterday that a preliminary review of changes to the school funding bill was consistent with his goals, but his comments came more than an hour after the State Board of Election was told the data contained a significant error. That error means a delay in the set of numbers that school officials, lawmakers, and advocates have all been waiting for. This is a district-by-district financial scorecard could show how schools would fare under the governor's veto of the Democratic Education Bill. The data hadn't been released publicly as of Tuesday afternoon, even as the Illinois Senate is planning to return to Springfield on Sunday when it could consider overriding Rauner. The State Board of Education says it gave Rauner's office its numbers on Monday afternoon. The board also said it was notified at 9.27 a.m. Tuesday that the Department of Revenue had found a significant error in the data that it had supplied involving the assessed property value of districts and and have a tax increment of financing in districts. Rauner took questions from reporters more than an hour later at an unrelated ceremony at the University of Chicago. There he praised the quick work of the State Board of Education and he told his staff to disseminate the figures to the public very quickly. So the numbers got sent to the staff late Monday, which is terrific. Our staff's reviewing them, he said. You know, it's very complicated analysis, and and what I've told our staff is let's get them reviewed so we all understand and let's get it to the public as soon as possible. Ronner said he had not seen the Board of Education's initial breakdowns that were submitted to his office on Monday and later deemed erroneous, but he said he had talked to his staff about them. And the beat goes on in uh, Springfield, doesn't it? And uh, President Trump doing a little beating of his own, thumping would be a better word, I guess. Can you thump your own language? 
the president of North Korea exchanged threats amid reports yesterday that the North had been able to miniaturize a nuclear weapon. What does that mean? Well, it means you could mount them on missiles that could potentially reach the U.S. However, North Korea is believed to still not have the ability to ensure a missile that could re-enter the Earth's atmosphere without the warhead burning up and to hit targets with uh, accuracy. 9.20, and Ursula is uh, on the phone. Hello, Ursula. Hi. I'm going to quit voting. I'm not going to vote ever again. I voted ever since I was 21, which has been, let's see, 60 years. And uh, I was always happy to do that. Now, even when I had to walk with a walker there, and the thing is getting to be such a mess, why bother? I mean, you know, why don't we just get Putin, uh, you know, an honorary something? I mean, we can't get along in this country for anything anymore. Haven't they ever heard of uh, with uh, freedoms and whatever also goes responsibility instead of making ass out of yourself? Pardon my French. I mean, I'm so angry I can't stand it. And so I'm not going to vote anymore. Why should I go through the trouble? So you're not going to vote no matter who's running, huh? Yep. Done set up with them. They're all crooks. You know, until they get limits, you know, uh, uh, limits for the term, this is going to be a mess. I mean, there's no reason for uh, Madigan to be in there for that length of time. I mean... He knows every skeleton in everybody's closet, and so he's getting away with this stuff. And, uh, you know, but, and, and Rauner, okay, I voted for Rauner, you know, make it a change for a change. My gosh, I mean, what's going on? I mean, even if you have to compromise once in a while, I mean, get this thing moving. So I'm fed up with him not doing it anymore. My time is valuable. Very well put, Ursula, and I uh, I think there's a bunch of other people that feel exactly the same way you do. Yeah, take care. Hey, okay, thank you. They're all a bunch of crooks. I'm fed up with them, and I'm not going to vote anymore. I'm going to go. My time is too valuable. That's a pretty good statement, isn't it? Peggy is next. Hi, Peggy. Good morning. What's going on, Peggy? Well, you know, yesterday I didn't get to listen to the whole show, but you were talking about Blue Cross Blue Shield, and I understand that Blue Cross Blue Shield does not pay for outpatient surgery, and that was where his problem was, I think. Uh, Or pays partial. It doesn't pay all of it. Yeah, if we're thinking thinking about the same call, we had several calls about it, but... uh, one of them said that they paid uh, quite a bit of it, but uh, there was a certain part that they did not pay and left left it to him to pay. Yeah. So my understanding was I didn't know if he said specifically whether it was outpatient or inpatient, but from my understanding, outpatient is not covered. It's, I'm sorry, it's considered out of network. Out of network, yeah. yeah. And that was the difference, I think. Yeah, that... Uh, and if you have something like that, it can build up on you. I mean, that can be a big amount. Yeah, pretty much like 20% or something. Yeah, uh-huh. it grows fast. Well, you have to watch, you have to watch what uh, 
what insurance company you deal with. You have to uh, watch when their bills come in. You have to you have to uh, compare the premium cost with the benefits that you get. Uh, the, the way they handle their claims, uh, there's a lot to it. It's it's one of the biggest things people can do because obviously it can uh, it can bankrupt you and it can uh, you know use up use up all your savings. Yeah, easily. Thank you, Peggy. Appreciate your call. Mark is next. Hello, Mark. Good morning. On the topic of of uh, Speaker Madigan, uh, I would like to hear some of uh, State Representative Ammons' defenders get on and explain to us when she went to Springfield, she said that she would not be voting for uh, Speaker Madigan and that she would be her own individual. Yet, uh, two terms or three terms into it, uh, she has yet to vote anything other than what he wants her to vote for. And, and I thought we sent her to Springfield to be a, uh, a new voice, a fresh voice for East Central Illinois. And quite frankly, she's just there, uh, in my opinion, collecting a paycheck and, and, and not uh, standing up to the speaker. Uh, if she truly believes that she was sent to Springfield, to uh, be a part of change, then what change has she brought to Springfield? I wonder if she got an engraved clock from the, the well, speaker. I've noticed that she doesn't appear on your show uh, at all. I don't. Uh, I don't do politicians very often. Okay. Well, uh, I, I would mean, I did for years and years and years, and I'm unlike Ursula. I'm kind of fed up with them. Well, <laughs> very good, but. You know, she she told us that if we send her to Springfield, she would be a voice. And, and you know, as the past mayor of Urbana uh, was always complaining about Carl being taken off the tax roll, that was done during uh, State Representative Jacobson's term. And I've yet to see State Representative Ammons put a bill back in the legislature that would put Carl and and OCF and, and Provena, or whatever we call it today, back on the uh, tax rolls. Urbana's suffering, and and what is she doing for her district in terms of, uh, you know, making sure that there's stable funding uh, for this area? Well, uh I don't. Uh, I don't know what uh, exactly what her uh, voting record is, or if what she has introduced and so on. But I would say that if she didn't vote for Madigan, she wouldn't have a chance to get anything even called for a vote. Well, that's probably true. But that I is wouldn't. true. That, that's exactly true. That's why it doesn't matter who goes over there or who well, who, yeah. ha- who has an idea about what they're going to do. Well. You know that's the uh, that's the reason why Illinois, um, in the next census, will lose another congressperson uh, from the area. And and you can probably remember when you were growing up how many congressmen uh, we had from Illinois: twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight. Now we're down to nineteen or twenty, uh, and the the. The drain continues as people leave the state, and and part of it is, uh, quite frankly, um, downstate Illinois is absolutely fed up with what goes on in Chicago, and nothing can be done in Illinois without asking one specific person to get it done. 
And uh, we've got a, a guy on the other side now who's been trying to, uh, I shouldn't say has been trying to, has been fighting with him this uh, entire time. And uh, what do we have? We have nothing. We, we, we have a stalemate. We have exactly. n- nothing going on. Exactly. Hey, so. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate your call. We'll go to Tony. Hello, Tony. Hi, I wanted to answer the guy's call about Carol Ammons. Okay. I think your caller, like four calls ago, the lady who said she wasn't going to vote anymore, they're all crooks, answered the question. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're all crooks. I mean, she's going to tell you, like you say about every day, they tell you what they want to get elected, and when they get elected, they do what they want. Um, and I think the scarier thing is this president we have who loves to be loved, um, and I would be worried if I had a soldier in the military because you know we're going to go to war with North Korea because he, down deep in his mind, knows that'll get him loved by a lot of these people out here. Um, if he scares us enough to think we're going to be threatened by Korea, and there'll be a lot of lives lost for, again, another senseless and fake war. Have you ever heard of a, a president who uses the words fire and fury like the world has ever known? Uh, boy, that sounds like something out of a out of a book or a uh, a comic book or a, or a movie or something. But doesn't seem very uh, presidential to me. But uh, somebody said, uh, "Well, he is quite prone to hyperbole and uh, bombast." But uh, that's uh, you're you're quite right. It's uh, it's very nervous a time with those guys because uh, we've got. Uh, Trump and and others who uh, don't want to put up with anything and are probably going to uh, attack with fire and fury one of these days if it uh, doesn't clear up. Then we've got a madman on the other side. I mean, a crazy man. And Ted Bond has been telling me for a long time, they're all crooks. And Ursula agreed with you. 9.30 and... Brian Barnhart has the news headlines. We'll come back after that with more open line until 10, and then Julia Reitz uh, after that. Here's Brian. So uh, Lauren uh, Tate has been doing a bunch of uh, podcasts, unedited uh, podcasts, and the latest being with uh, Mike White. You can find that on there now. There's a guy that uh, brought a lot of, pardon me? Well, <laughs> Ed uh, points out, yes, do it after the show. Do it during rush. That'll be a good time, right? But uh, that was a guy that uh, people will remember with uh, great uh, fondness because we had a lot of fun when he was here and had a lot of, uh, a lot of wins, a lot of exciting things, a lot of, you know, we're worried about, or quarterback, he had quarterbacks stacked up along the sideline. You know, he'd bring in, he, he didn't know which one of them to start. And as Lauren uh, points out, he had a lot of success in bringing in JCs from the West Coast. He was really uh, tied in with them. And uh, he said they, they never heard of Champaign-Urbana. They thought it was someplace out by the Atlantic Ocean. Anyway, uh, remember uh, Mike with a great fondness. We talked to him. He, he used to take over the uh, Saturday morning show.
every once in a while. And it was uh, quite good. He would be when Lauren and I were on the air. He would come here and and on the air uh, on the road, I should say. And he would come here and uh, do one of the shows and bring all kinds of good guests on the air. And the one thing about it was he forgot to play the commercials. He never had enough breaks. So he never, once he started, he never stopped. Anyway, that's uh, that's a long time ago. We all long for those days. Remember when the first play that my Mike White coach team uh, came up to the line and threw a long, long pass, incomplete, and the fans roared with applause. They went crazy. This is a new era, and it was indeed. Well, uh, the president, and as uh, we've been talking about this morning and people have been talking about since uh, yesterday, exchanging threats amid reports that the the North Koreans had been able to make a small nuclear weapon. They call it miniaturized weapon, meaning it could mount them on missiles and could possibly reach the U.S. But the North Korea is believed to still not have the ability to ensure a missile that could re-enter the Earth's atmosphere without the warhead burning up and to hit targets with any accuracy. After the Washington Post published its story yesterday on the North's technological advance, which cited U.S. intelligence officials and a confidential defense intelligence agency report, more leaks, Trump uh, made unusually threatening language. When asked by reporters about it, he said, North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. He has been very threatening beyond a normal state. And as I said, they will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen. Trump's marks uh, appeared to be scripted with him glancing at a paper in front of him, but it isn't clear what he meant by the threat. And people noticed that uh, he, quote, is prone to hyperbole and a bombast. Let's go to the phones for Alan. Hello, Alan. Hello, Jim. You're talking about that uh, first play of Mike White's career. I was at that game. And you were quite right. It was an incomplete pass, but I thought there was a two-man standing ovation after that. I believe that was Dave Wilson, wasn't it? Right. It was. And then you got in trouble a couple weeks uh, later. Remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there was uh, all kinds of... Every day that went by, we were not not going to, not knowing uh, yes or no on whether Wilson was going to play or not. Yeah, that was uh, quite the fiasco. We started out 2-0, and then uh, all of a sudden the bomb hit us, and I thought, here we go again. That's but he had, uh, you know, he had Wilson, he had uh, Eason and uh, Trudeau, and he had a bunch of quarterbacks. 
The best game Wilson ever played was the one he lost. Yeah, the one at Ohio State. Oh, yeah. Got a standing yeah. ovation there, too. Oh, yeah, from them. <laughs> what was it, 500 yards plus or something like that, 600? Yeah, I, f- I forgot the numbers, but, uh, yeah, you're right in that area. And uh, he just kept throwing it, and we just he, people kept catching it. We kept scoring. They kept scoring. It was uh, an amazing game. Hey, thanks, oh, well. Alan. Need to uh, move on here and talk to John. Hello, John. Hey, good morning, Jim. Good morning. You know, uh, uh, with uh, President Trump's statement, I guess that's, that's his attitude standing in front most. But it's this uh, this little Pillsbury Doughboy over there in North Korea. He don't mean no harm. He's just trying to keep the diplomacy of his grandfather and his father. And they're firing off a bunch of Scud missiles which is a bunch of pragmatic missiles. That's why the Russians and the China's not saying anything, because they sold these Scud missiles to them and sold them also to Iraq. And they can't get warheads on them Scud missiles because who knows what they're going to do. Some of them may blow up. Some may not blow up. We don't know where they're going to land. But he's just firing off with the mouth, firing off with the missiles. I think the best thing we need to do is go diplomacy and send our best element over there, believe it or not, Dennis Rodman, let him talk to this little boy and let him know we mean business. Then after that, let North Korea take their best shot. And we'll be waiting. Well, I hadn't heard that one before. Send Dennis Dennis Rodman back over there, huh? That's correct. Well, I don't think that's uh, going to happen. But, uh, so I I take it you're not uh, concerned that there's going to be conflict? No, not at all. Hmm. Not at all. Hmm. Okay. 20 years in the military, I'm telling you. North Korea don't want none of us. They don't want us. <laughs> well, I wouldn't think they would. Uh, they're, you know, the size of uh, the country, the size of their military, uh, et cetera, et cetera. wouldn't be much of a fight if it w- we went into it. Pre- I appreciate it, John, to thank you. And we go to Greg. Hello, Greg. Hi, Jim. Hi. Uh, this deal with Carol Ammons, you know, she's owned by Mike Madigan and uh, the whole Democrat Party. Remember, Pat Quinn rushed a pardon for her uh, convicted felon husband through in about three weeks. Yes. Remember, that? I remember, remember how that happened? I remember that, yes. Yeah, that's so he could take her seat on the Urbana City Council so, so she could run for the uh, for the House seat that was open. But, uh, I heard you talking earlier about this uh, sugary drink tax in Chicago. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've been reading about that in the in the Chicago papers, and, you know, they push that through as a uh, thing to for health. You know, if they tax it, people will quit using it. They think, you know, it's going to be like cigarettes were when they tax cigarettes and the usage went down a little bit. But, you know, if this, if this pop is so dangerous for these people, why are people who have link cards and EBT cards allowed to buy pop and junk food for their kids. You know, if this stuff is so dangerous, why are the taxpayers paying for that for these folks? This is a uh, this is a money maker. That's what it is. And uh, anybody that that's thinks exactly that, right. anybody that thinks it's a it's something else is uh, is missing uh, the point. I uh, you know they can say it's for health reasons and that. If you drink less of it, uh, perhaps it is. Uh, but I, 
you know, the people that uh, want some some uh, Coke or uh, Pepsi or whatever have uh, been drinking it all their lives. will probably continue to do it. Uh, they'll moan and groan about it, but they'll. it's not going to stop it. I saw a thing on uh, one of the blogs in Chicago where they were asking people to send in pictures of receipts of soda pop that they bought up there. And one, one guy bought like a 12-pack of Pepsi or something, and the tax was almost 50% of what he paid for the for the product, which I think is ridiculous, but uh, it's I see uh, I see uh, Julia Reitz is going to be on your show in the next hour. Yes. Every time I try to call in, I, I never can't get it through. But if you could ask her specifically well, 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 about wait, wait a minute, what do you mean you can't get through? There's plenty of times I, where there's a where the lines are open when she's on. I mean, she we don't have calls the entire show. Call in. What do you want to ask her? I want to ask her about this guy that was uh, recently given probation for being passed out in a drive-in at a restaurant that had cocaine in his car. I think that's... I don't understand how that could happen. And I've talked to Julia Reeds about other cases, and usually they're pending cases and she won't talk about them, but this one's been resolved. And of course, we read the News Gazette, and we only get three or four lines about what happened. But I'd like to know the details of, of why that guy wasn't charged with some kind of driving under the influence of drugs and and uh, probation. Well, you know, that would never happen if, let's say that guy was passed out and he had an open beer in his hand. He, he wouldn't have got probation for that. He's got the max. Well, it's another uh, 15, 20 minutes she'll be on. Uh, call her back, Greg, and ask her. I will. All right. I will. Okay, Jeff. All right. Thank Thanks. you. And we go to uh, Orville. Good morning, Orville. Yeah. I just want to make a quick comment on these uh, missiles that uh, might not make it to their targets here in the U.S., but they'll burn up. The warhead up there will burn up in the atmosphere. That's what they say. Yeah. yeah and um, <laughs> I ain't worried about the missiles. You got the Patriot, you know. That'll pick up a missile, but if that explodes up in the atmosphere, that dirty bomb's going everywhere. You know, who knows where the... It'll just circle the Earth up there. That'd be worried more than, you know... Don't put anything past North Korea, because if it can't... I don't know, the dirty bomb just scares me, so... Well... Somebody ought to tone down Mr. Trump... There's a better way to handle the situation and telling everybody how tough he is. We've lost too many young men just for talking out of turn. Settle it peacefully. That's all I got to say. I'm getting yeah. Well, yeah. Settle it uh, diplomatically if you uh, if you can. And uh, the the problem is that you know we're not dealing with a guy that's uh, sane. No, no. (laughs) How are we talking about? Here or over there? This guy is walking around and killing his own people. And yeah, doing all yeah. kinds of things. You never know what he's going to do. That's that's the uh, that's the worrisome part. Uh, I worry about that dirty bomb going off and nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Okay, have a good one, Jim. Thank you, Orville. Okay, bye. CBS uh, Radio has uh, had verified an account that uh, FBI agents raided the Virginia home of President Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, last month. 
His uh, spokesman has confirmed that. 949, 77 degrees, a break. Mr. Bond coming uh, right back with more Open Line here on Penny. 951, 77 degrees as we go to Larry. Hi, Larry. Hello, Jim. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Well, kicking the can down the road for 30 years has resulted in uh, the ultimatum we were dealing with today. And that is? North Korea. Oh, I see what you're saying. We tried to buy buy their friendship off, and we tried to buy them off for 30 years, and it's resulted uh, down to this. It's crazy. Well, we still have uh, troops over there, and uh, (laughs) that's kind of like a war that never ended. Yeah, exactly. Well, oh, I remember. Yeah. I remember. It wasn't a war. It was a conflict. Remember, they they had to use the term conflict. Yeah, police action would have boiled down to another Vietnam. Exactly. Hmm. Well, uh, I think uh, I have full confidence of President Trump. What he's uh, capable of and what he will do, I will sleep uh, well at night. You say you do have or you wish you had? No, I, I will. I will sleep good at night. Okay, because you have confidence in him. And, you know, some people uh, uh, have uh, expressed the opinion that this is the only language that uh, they understand, the, the kind of language that he is, uh, he is uh, thrown at them. That uh, you can't... Well, the Dem- uh, Democrats try to buy them, they're by their friendship, uh, he only understands one language. You're right, Jim. Well, can't buy people off. Yeah, I'm glad you called, Larry. Thank you. Need to take another call Thanks, here. Sir. We're running a little, uh, running up against the news. We go to uh, Paul. Hi, Paul. Hey, Jim. How you doing? Oh, Paul Davis. How I recognize your voice. <laughs> you can't I, get, I you can't get away him. from that. You can't. Uh, you can't fool anybody. I can't make any obscene phone calls either. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you tried that. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> What's up this morning, Paul? Always good to well, hear from you. Listening to the earlier conversation about, quote, all the crooks in Springfield, and I just had to speak up. I covered Springfield first for Channel 3 and then oversaw what we did out of WGN. I spent a lot of time in Springfield. and There are crooks, and I've reported on them, but most of the people in Springfield are good people with good intentions, and I don't like having them all lumped into the classification as crooks. Yes, there will be crooks, but most of them are people with honest intentions, with an agenda that they'd like to change something in the state and do good. And the more we say all the people in Springfield are crooks, the less we encourage anyone with any integrity to run for Springfield offices. Well, they're already uh, reached that uh, point. Uh, in fact, uh, some of them that are over there now are leaving because they just can't stand the, the fact that uh, there's such a stalemate on, on everything. But I, I agree with you completely on that uh, statement about it. Uh, we're just kind of, that's maybe we shouldn't uh, joke around about that because I spent a lot of time in uh, Springfield, too, as you, you sure. may know, and I, I did uh, did a lot of lobbying work for at least uh, two or three uh, uh, semesters over there, and 
that's the kind of people that you're exactly right. And everyone knows who the, quote, crooks are or the ones that are trying to get something done uh, either illegally or for their own benefit. But uh, most of the people that that I ran into and got to know were very good people. And uh, just like just like me and you or just, you know, kind of family guys that uh, went over there right. and uh, tried to do the best they could, but it's a, it's a difficult chore. One of my favorite stories is about the late Senator Paul Simon when he was in the state Senate. Oh, you talk about uh, talk about a, a, uh, a smart guy and a guy that, uh, that is as good a legislator as you could ever find. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, that's fine. He reported on some uh, transgressions in the state house. And the Senate members were mad at him for that, of course. And so they would start talking behind his back in a loud whisper about other shenanigans supposedly going on, which were totally false. And then Simon would spend days trying to track it down. <laughs> they they treated him very unkindly. <laughs> I bet they did. There goes an honest man. we got to get rid of that guy. <laughs> well, thank you, Jim. Yeah, hey, I'm glad you called, Paul. Uh, good to talk to you any time. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Senator uh, John McCain said of a Trump statement, You've got to be sure you can do what you say you're going to do. That kind of rhetoric, I'm not sure it helps. The great leaders I've seen don't threaten unless they're ready to act, and I'm not sure that President Trump is ready to act. Senate Majority, majority I'm sorry, Minority Leader Chuck Schumer also responded, uh, saying in a statement, We need to be firm and deliberate with North Korea, but reckless rhetoric is not a strategy to keep America safe. And let's see, uh, some more uh, information has just uh, come in on that raid of uh, Paul Manafort's uh, Virginia home. That's a Trump's uh, former campaign chairman. This was back in late July, taking documents and other materials related to the investigation into Russia's meddling in the 2016 election. Armed with a search warrant, federal agents went to Manafort's Alexandria home during the pre-dawn hours of July 26th, one day after he met voluntarily with members of the Senate Intelligence Committee. The search warrant seems to indicate that investigators may have had reason to believe Manafort could not be trusted to turn over all the records requested in response to a grand jury subpoena, many citing people familiar with the special counsel investigation. So that happened way back in July, and we're just hearing about uh, the details of it uh, right now. One thing we uh, didn't mention and uh, should have, a car rammed into a group of soldiers in the in a Paris uh, suburb uh, last night in what its mayor said was a deliberate act. Six of the soldiers were injured, two of them seriously. Mayor Patrick uh, Balcony said a BMW that was parked in an alley drove into the soldiers as they left their barracks to go on patrol duty. French police are searching for the car, which was able to get away. 
The soldiers targeted were from the same security force that was created after the Islamic extremist attacks in France in 2015. Well, our time is up this uh, first hour. Thanks for all your calls and uh, your text messages. And we'll be back tomorrow morning at uh, 9 o'clock with more Open Line. Now we turn to the news from CBS at the top of the hour, then a visit with the state's attorney in Champaign County, Julia Reitz. Give Julia a call. She likes to talk to you here on DWS. Welcome back to hour number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts. My guest uh, during this hour is uh, Julia Reitz. Julia is the state's attorney in Champaign County. And we have a lot of things to talk about. And as always, uh, Julia always tells me it's uh, fun to get calls. She likes to talk to people on the the air and off. So uh, don't hesitate to call at 356-9397. Or you can send us a a comment or a question on... uh, the text line, which is a three five one five three five seven. How are you, Julia? I'm good. How are you? I am good. Can't uh, we cannot beat this weather, can we? No, it's a beautiful mm. day today. I hope everyone's outside mm. while they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you made a quick recovery right, there. I did, didn't I? And, uh, Go outside and enjoy the day with well, your radio on. I made one uh, in the first hour about talking about uh, Lauren Tate's uh, new uh, unedited uh, podcast now. And I said, uh, you know, you can go to the right there and listen to he mm-hmm. talking to, uh, to Mike Watt yep. after the show. <laughs> <laughs> you well, can. I told you. I listened to your podcast with Chief Cobb last night when I was um, on my way home from a trip. And I was glad to hear him being on your show and that you want him to be on regularly. I think that's a great resource. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He's obviously very involved in so many different things in our community and a great resource for you. So I was glad to hear that. Yeah, uh, I've had a difficult time uh, reaching him. He uh, He's a busy, busy man. Yeah, well, I'm sure he is. And uh, got a lot of things going on all the way from uh, from uh, burglaries to uh, yes. more, uh, more difficult, more uh, violent type things. But we'll repeat once again. Lock your car. Yes, lock don't your le- cars. Don't leave your keys in the car. I can tell you, I do juvenile delinquency cases, and uh, many, many, many of these car burglaries um, are committed by juveniles, by uh, young people under the age of 18. And so many of the reports are unlocked cars. Uh, people leave their extra car keys in the glove compartment, or they leave valuables in their cars unlocked and it's really unfortunate that we we have to say that it says almost as if we're um, victim blaming I don't want to sound like that um, you know but really protect yourself protect your property uh, because that's what these kids are doing they're basically going from car to car they see cars out on the street or on driveways they try the door handles Um, it's easy um, pickings for them unfortunately and so so please, yes, lock your cars. And Chief Cobb was uh, saying that uh, they've had very few uh, break-ins right. where they used, uh, you know, some. Yeah, and you know, uh, sometimes we solve these by fingerprints um, on those door handles. That's um, these are kids who have done this time and time again. Unfortunately, some of them have histories, and we can 
solve these offenses by fingerprints. So lock your cars. And they scout around on bicycles. Yes. Which is uh, pretty interesting. Let's uh, go to the uh, calls for Julia Reitz. First up this morning is Don. Good morning, Don. Hey, good morning. Good morning, morning. Mr. Reitz. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, this day? Are you kidding me? It's awesome out here. I love it. it. Too bad we get like two of these. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Uh, Right. The reason I was calling, uh, I just have a couple of easy questions, I guess. Uh, To not follow the law in Champaign County, is that breaking the law? I suppose. Um, Does that include federal law? Sure. Okay, that's all I, I had. I'm interested in where we're going with this question, but... Uh, well, I mean, you have the mayor of Urbana not following federal law. That means she's breaking it, oh. according to you. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't... I Okay, <laughs> see now... <laughs> I don't know that I'd go that far quite, but... Um, I mean, certainly I don't want you to quote, quote me saying Julia Reed said the Urbana mayor is breaking the law. That's that that's so a, that's not. a bit of a leap. Um, I, I think I'm going to say I'm not going to go there because uh, <laughs> my my role is the prosecutor for Champaign County, um, and I'm really not up on, um, nor do I really want to be up on, you know, federal immigration law or all of those other issues. That's really not my jurisdiction or my job. Well, I see why where we're at, I guess. I'm not blaming anyone. It's just the way it works. <laughs> Thanks. Well, enjoy this beautiful day. Oh, I will. Thank you, Don. We appreciate your call. We go to uh, Frank. Good morning, Frank. Uh, yeah, I heard you talking about car break-ins and uh, people leaving their car open and stuff. There uh, was a break-in, I think, Sunday night of five cars in Urbana in the Stone Creek uh, subdivision. Yes. One of them was my uh, granddaughter's husband, and he did not leave the car open. The cars, they picked the lock. Oh, see, now that's, frankly, that is unusual. His uh, his car was locked, and apparently they used a coat hanger or something to unlock it, and get in the car. There were five cars out there broken into, and his is one of them. So not all of these cars, uh, I think people are assuming these cars are unlocked. A lot of them uh, are not. Well, again, I can tell you from the reports that I read and the conversations I have with our local law enforcement agencies, uh, that that is unusual, frankly. Much much more often than not, it's, um, it's they're trying the door handles and finding the unlocked cars. So yeah. that is okay. unfortunately, you know, moving up a level that, you know, yeah. shows a level I of, just of to knowledge let you that, know we, that yeah. yeah, that I know for a fact that, that they broke into one that was locked. Yeah. Chief Cobb uh, said as much. He said that there were, they have a few, uh, what he called, uh, break-ins, but, uh, most of, and I think one of the reasons, uh, Julia, that he, uh, indicated was that, uh, if you just go try the door handles, you can uh, cover more territory right. and, and uh, find more, uh, perhaps find more doing that than uh, spending time uh, breaking into a car. Appreciate uh, that uh, call, though, Frank. Uh, Eric is next. Hello, Eric. Good morning. Uh, I recently filed a FOIA request, and when I got it back, it was redacted or censored. Mm-hmm. So what recourse do I have now? to get a uncensored FOIA request. 
If you believe that uh, the information that was redacted out of the documents you received uh, was, was, shouldn't have been redacted, then your recourse is to go to the um, Attorney General's office um, FOIA officer and file a, uh, basically a complaint um, asking that the, uh, that, the, um, that the FOIA officer there review the re response you received. And if they um, determine that it was inappropriate, um, then they can, uh, I'm going to say order, although um, they can order essentially or advise that the agency um, review or you know, change the response. Um, you also could go directly to whatever agency you FOIA'd and ask them to reconsider. Um, but there are legal reasons for redacting information out of um, documents that are sent or um, provided through the Freedom of Information Act. So um, obviously, I, I don't know exactly what was redacted or what kind of documents you were looking at, but there are um, legal bases for redacting information. Okay, thank you. So mm -hmm. the Attorney General's thank Office. You. Thank they, you, Eric. Yeah, they have a really good web page um, that can get you right to the information that you need um, to their Freedom of Information Act um, officer who can review all of that information. This is actually the lady who came um, a few weeks ago and gave a really good conference um, to us uh, local elected officials. Uh, County Clerk Gordy Hulton and I put this on every couple of years and um, sh she comes from the AG's office and speaks about uh, FOIA and the Open Meetings Act. A couple of uh, examples of that. What, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about redacted material. So um, sometimes people will FOIA, it's like a verb now, <laughs> um, but <laughs> right, send no. a Freedom of Information Act request to um, my office or to a police department for police reports. And um, we may redact personal information about witnesses, for example, mm. uh, phone numbers, addresses, maybe names of children, that sort of thing. Um, uh, you know, depending on the type of case, so, uh, there might be information that is So they're personal. basically vetting the uh, person that has applied. Uh, right. Is I mean, the, there's just sometimes personal information maybe that's included in a document. Um, per, for example, people might send a FOIA request for um, salary information for uh, government employees, and uh, maybe we'll blank out the addresses and phone numbers and social security numbers and that sort of thing, private information. Hmm. Okay, I get you. And uh, Stan is next. Hi, Stan. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Julia, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, just a couple of uh, comments and then a question. Uh, Julia, I don't know the last time that you read the definition of emolument. Uh, of what? I'm sorry, can you, of what? The definition of emoluments. Emoluments? Okay. Yes. If you do read the definition, or if you have read the definition of emoluments, you'll find out that the same thing is said in 2017 that was said in 1778, and that emoluments are anything of value, including cash. Some people in your profession insist that emoluments only pertain to uh, physical objects. 
Would you like to make a comment on that? Um, I was just Googling that, <laughs> um, and I'm not really sure in what direction you want to go with with uh, these thoughts. Um, so I'm going to say well, no until I, I, I get a better idea. If you wish. Sure. Uh, a regular guest on uh, the show uh, insists that emoluments are only physical objects, uh. and therefore... The fact that Trump, as President of the United States, is making millions of dollars a month off of his uh, uh, properties being leased and rented and and uh, such to foreign governments, that's not an emolument, I, according to the uh, justice. See, t this morning people seem to want to put me in a difficult position on the federal government, and um, uh, I always do, Julia. <laughs> oh, yes. Stan, you mentioned that. You, you mentioned that the people on this show have. Uh, I think you should have uh, that have argument. Said that. Who, who who said that? I, I, I don't know. Steigman. He says that rubber duckies are more valuable than millions of dollars a month being taken by Trump for. Uh, services rendered at his uh, facilities okay. to foreign government. All right, thanks. I think we'll uh, try to uh, stick to uh, more uh, I heard you more this, local. I thing. heard you this morning, Jim, say that you didn't really want uh, politicians on your show. So <laughs> I said, oh, then Jim must not think I'm a politician, and I'm going to say I appreciate that, Jim. <laughs> uh, I was speaking of uh, people in the uh, General Assembly in the Springfield yes, or in the Congress. I understand. Uh, Karen is next. Hi, Karen. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I wanted a question for you. Um, sure. Is it legal for a landlord to give uh, uh, a 10-day 10 10-day 10 eviction notice? Oh, see, people are wanting to quiz me on all kinds of law that I'm not an expert in. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I don't do a lot of, well, I don't do any, actually, landlord-tenant law. Um, so I would definitely guide you to a uh or recommend that you contact, if that's an issue, a lawyer who handles that. Or um, in Champaign County, we have a landlord-tenant union that's very okay. active, and I would definitely um, suggest you give them a call if you have an issue with your landlord. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you, Thank Karen. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. Mm. Bye-bye. We need to take a quick break here, Mr. Bond. We're coming uh, right back with uh, Julia Reitz. Mm. We're back with uh, Julia Reitz, uh, the state's attorney in uh, Champaign County. Uh, Julia, a little while ago, just a few days ago, elected the county officials, uh, all of them, the elected officials in the county, expressed their concern about the Champaign County nursing home, uh, all the uh, shortfalls there, and encouraged the board to uh, basically to sell it. Uh, what are your main concerns? Does it have to do with uh, if they they don't sell it, they're still going to be so short that uh, eventually uh, other departments uh, in the uh, in the county are going to have to start laying off people? Right. So our county administrator um, spoke to the county board, and I think he gave a worst-case scenario um, of what could be required of the county as a whole if we – um, continue down this path. Um, and that he, he said, essentially, that we could be required to lay off about 30 people um, from other county departments 
because of financial issues with the nursing home. And I mean, I can say as the state's attorney, part of my role is the civil attorney for the county. And so my office is very involved in um, issues facing the nursing home and um, in the negotiations and in the process um, that's going on right now, um, as well as in litigation issues that uh, have been discussed in the news before with the nursing home. Um, And of course, there are many benefits to the county nursing home, but at the same time, um, it is causing serious financial issues for the county as a whole. And so when we hear from our county administrator that uh, we may be required to look at our staff and say, we are going to have to make cuts because of uh, the nursing home's issues, of course, um, we become very concerned about that because uh, each of us, uh, countywide elected officials, have required responsibilities, um, required by law, things that we are required to do, services we're required to provide to um, to our constituents, and of course, an obligation to our staff to support them and the good work that they do. And I can tell you that If you compare Champaign County to a lot of other similarly sized counties, uh, we run on a very lean budget. Uh, We don't have a whole lot of room to to move, and we've had to make cuts over the past few years. You know, starting in about 2008, 2009, we've either remained static or have had to make cuts to our budgets. And many of us, uh, outside of personnel, have very little to no flexibility. Um, and have new requirements that the state puts on us. Um, We talked, we've talked before about body cameras. You know, everybody wants police officers to wear body cameras. Well, that requires my office to receive that data, to manage that data, to review that data. Um, And many um, articles I've read, many discussions I've had suggest um, that along with those body cameras need to come bodies. (laughs) to manage all of that. So that's just one, that's my little Mm -hmm. example. Every one of us has an example like that. Um, For our county clerk, as people want more access to voting, he needs then more opportunities to provide that, and that costs money and requires people. And so we all came together and said we needed to make a statement. Um, Now some of us, I think Judge Stefanis had said initially, he said close the blank thing, (laughs) Um, was what he said in the News Gazette. and. We are so lucky here. We have Dan Welch, who's been our treasurer since ever, um, and and, uh, J.J. Farney, John Farney, who's our auditor, um, who have spent a lot of time on the numbers. And they educated us, the rest of us, and and Judge Stefanis and said, no, no, closing it is not financially in our best interest. That will leave us with a lot of debt. Um, What we really need to do is we need to sell. We need to sell responsibly. So we're not advocating a lowball sale or a quick sale. We're just advocating um, that sale is the direction to move forward. And, of course, some people are upset about that and fear that that's going to cause us some problems in the process. But I'm going to say that on behalf of my staff and the rest of the county employees that we really felt like we needed to publicly show our support uh, for them and our concerns about uh, the county's financial situation as a whole. Well, response from uh, one uh, board member, uh, if not uh, others, uh, 
indicated that uh, when the decision would be made, it would be made by the, by the board and not by the elected county officials. And that's true. It's the board's decision. But we felt it was important as elected county officials to put out our statement. Um, you know, and I, of course, am the the sole Democrat of the elected county officials. And so mm-hmm. uh, maybe in a little bit of a different political position than others. Uh, but still, I, I have many hats. And this hat, being a county department head, um, I felt was the most important hat to wear on this issue. It's uh, 1033. Uh, Brian Barnard has the news headlines. We'll be back in to take more calls. We have some uh, callers waiting. If you want to hold on during the news, we'll get to you right after that. Here's Brian. This is Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. My guest is Julia Reitz, the Champaign County State's Attorney. And uh, Peggy, you've been waiting a long time. We appreciate that. Do you have a question or a comment for Julia? Yeah, in your, when you were talking about the nursing home, I've mm-hmm. come to the conclusion that I'm, I think I'm missing a step in this process. Okay. Um, I was wondering if the, I think what I assumed was the nursing home was being run by a separate entity and not the government is is that not right well it's managed we we have hired a management company but it is owned by the by champaign county it is a county facility okay Um, so the problem is with the management company maybe we can get a different one well um we just did we just did oh but i think the the problem is incredibly complex um the problem is with, you know, some will say, well, if the state would just pay its bills, then we'd be okay. But that's one piece of the problem. Um, others would say that the culture of nursing homes and of assisted living facilities has changed um, and therefore changes the mix of people who um, need or want the services at the nursing home. That's another piece of the puzzle. Um, there, there's, there's just a lot of pieces of the puzzle. So um, I don't think we can put all of the blame in one basket. um, And that's a big part of the issue is how do we Uh, unravel all of this? But it is uh, at the end of the day, it belongs to um, and is a responsibility of Champaign County government. And it's, it's not a statutory requirement that counties run nursing homes. And many of them have over the years, and then many of them have decided that um, it's just not something that the county um, can afford to do, unfortunately. Uh, There's a lot of things, I think, that we would like government to do, (laughs) a lot of services that people would like government to provide, um, but that all those cost money, you know, and we just had a referendum in in the 2016 election, and uh, it failed, a referendum that would have increased the funding for the nursing home and other county facilities, um, and it failed. And, you know, that was the word of the taxpayers. So that's where we're at. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Mm, oh, thank you, Peggy. Appreciate it. We're at uh, 356-9397. That's our phone number. You can uh, text us at uh, 351-5357. Julia will be here until uh, 11 o'clock this morning, so if you have something you would like to ask her, uh, we had quite a run on uh, Questions there at the beginning of the show, and uh, phone lines are open now. I want to talk to you about uh, this uh, renewed conversation about the uh, downtown uh, Urbana jail, a mm-hmm. big story in the uh, paper today, and it 
as I uh, understand it, and I'd like for you to explain uh, a little bit uh, in more detail, that, but the, uh, the ADA mandated uh, fixes at the uh, present facility makes, this, uh, makes it imperative that something happen, right? Right, right. Is that right? So under the American, we're, we, we have been working with the federal government on um, Americans with Disabilities Act issues at our facilities across the county over mm. the past years. Um, you know, you, if you go to the courthouse and you get in the elevator, it takes a while for the doors to close. That's an ADA compliance issue. Some things are as simple as that. We had to hold the doors open longer um, to be compliant uh, other issues are much more complex and obviously much more expensive, uh, but the federal government is requiring Champaign County to uh, get into compliance with the ADA, and uh, many of those issues are uh, issues that we face in the downtown jail facility. Or what happens uh, if you uh, do not? We'll be fined, um, and it will be a significant financial liability for Champaign County. Now, uh, my understanding in speaking with the sheriff this morning um, is that we, if we have a solution that involves um, – either it's going to cost us a lot of money to make the fixes – that uh, the federal government is requiring for us to make. Or um, if we have an alternative plan, then we can get a uh, – they'll, they'll give us time to put that alternative plan into place. And so the count, some of the county board members asked the sheriff some questions, and he appeared last night at the facilities committee to answer some of those questions, uh, which had a lot to do with um, separating – prisoners in our county jail facility, why we need that separation, what the issues are, um, how much would it cost to board prisoners out of county rather than using the downtown jail? Essentially, how could we close, just close the downtown jail? What would that mean to him? And he's, he and his staff um, have spent a lot of time and effort putting together the information to answer those questions, and he did that last night. Didn't he ask uh, a lot of other uh, jails uh, if uh, yeah. if they mm -hmm. would hold uh, and uh, yeah, he, the, the overflow, and he said no? He went— uh, They said no, right. I mean. They, they um, contacted a number of other counties um, and asked, would you be able to, willing to take um, our— our prisoners, and some of them just flat out didn't respond, I guess. Others said they could take a limited number, but the expense uh, would be significant. We already do that from time to time, um, particularly if we've got a case involving a number of uh, defendants or witnesses who are in custody uh, where we can't put them all in the same pod. Um, the, the separation issues are really significant. And, you know, it's not just a question of how many beds do you have versus how many prisoners do you have, because some people just cannot be in the same space as other people. Um, we have our gun violence issue involves uh, groups who are battling each other. A lot of times our witnesses might be uh, people who also have criminal histories or currently pending cases, and we just cannot put them for safety reasons or for the integrity of a case um, together in the same pod. Um, or we've got people who are um, easily victimized. Of course, gender, we have to keep men and women separated. Um, and then we've got people who have significant mental health issues, who have significant physical health issues, um, who need uh, to be kept separately for their own safety and to also be provided with appropriate services while they are in our custody. 
Um, and it's unfortunate. Uh, and we see this in the criminal justice system so often. I wish that uh, we didn't have to use the criminal justice system sometimes to get people the mental health or even the physical health um, supports that they need. But frankly, that that is where we're at. And uh, we have to be able to house those people safely and appropriately. Um, and so basically the sheriff um, gave uh, information to the board about that and said, there's just no way. Um, we can't send people to other places and we cannot uh, continue to do it just in the satellite jail the way it's currently. So we have to have a plan. We need a plan uh, um, a, or else the federal you know, part, government. Part of the uh, part of the plan uh, could be to uh, forget the uh, downtown uh, jail and go uh, do something, uh, build uh, something, uh, an addition of some sort onto the uh, satellite jail. Right, and that's uh, what the sheriff was advocating um, last night at the facilities committee. That's what we've been advocating for years now. Mm -hmm. You know, when the satellite facility was built, it was built to be added onto. Um, there is land there. It's appropriately laid out for that. And that is something we've been advocating for years, um, that we can't just close the downtown jail without giving um, the sheriff more room to be able to appropriately house people and also to provide those services that we want to be able to provide to people. You know, in the, in the current satellite jail, we've got one room that's available for a classroom, and people suggest, you know, and, and I agree that we should be providing people with opportunity for counseling, for um, substance abuse treatment, all that sort of thing. One room. It's just not adequate. So you have any uh, thoughts about uh, what direction this might go? Well, I, I spoke to the sheriff this morning. He said the county board members were you know, they're the ones that ask the questions because, that, as we talked about before, they're the ones who are responsible for the money. Um, and so we're looking at the federal government saying, you need to spend a lot of money on a building that you ultimately want to close. <laughs> because I think everybody agrees the downtown jail is not appropriate and isn't a long-term solution. Um, or we're going to fine you if you don't make these fixes. Or you need a plan. Um, and so I, I'm hoping that the, that we're going to be able to come forward with a plan. It's not going to take place before the sheriff retires at this point, but I think um, it's something that absolutely needs to be in the works. Okay, let's go to uh, Tom. Good morning, Tom. Good uh, morning, Jim. Good morning. Uh, I'm just, I had a couple questions. I sent a text when she was on there time before last, but I guess she never had time to read it, but I was wondering when the uh, Bromley uh, Hall, uh, Bromley Hall uh, folks were going to go to court. And second question, is that idiot uh, that caused a six-car collision on I-57 and killed a little girl from Camargo, uh, is he going to be charged? And I'll uh, be quiet and listen. I'm not sure what the Bromley Hall... Well, if you yeah, can give well, me a little more information about Bromley Hall, sir. I'm sorry, I don't know that off the top of my head. What happened at Bromley Halls, Tom? Oh, uh, well, there's three uh, gentlemen that live, well, I wouldn't call them gentlemen, lived there, robbed another student, broke in his apartment and uh, room or whatever, and, and robbed him. Uh, are you talking about the football players? 
Uh, yes. Oh, okay. That case is currently pending, um, and so I can't give you an idea of when it's going to be resolved, but they all have been charged, and those cases are pending. Um, oh. With regards to the uh, tragic fatality on the highway, um, I am still waiting for a final report from the Illinois State Police. Uh, they, um, with regards, particularly with regards to the um, the gentleman's phone, um, not received the final report on that yet. Okay. This is just my personal opinion. I feel like he is no better than someone driving high or drunk. So I hope that he is charged with vehicular manslaughter. Okay. Thank you, Tom. We appreciate that. We'll take other calls after a quick break here, Mr. Bond. We're back with uh, Julia Reitz. We go to the phones for uh, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello, how are you doing? Oh, we're great. How about you? I'm doing wonderful. Hey, I was on jury duty a couple weeks ago. Oh, thank you. And uh, had a comment. Uh, I think Judge Dill's doing a wonderful job. I was called in for, you know, questioning of 36 jurors Mm -hmm. on a DUI and uh, driving under revoked. And uh, he just did a really good job, I thought. I, I was very impressed that he had only been sitting on the bench, I think, three weeks at the time. Yes. So I think when people do things right and they look good at what they're doing, I think uh, they ought to be praised for it. Well, that's good to um, hear. The, the question I had was, um, I was sat on a jury. or No, uh, I, I wasn't even questioned, but mm-hmm. I was in this uh, for a DUI and driving under revoked and failure to obey a traffic signal. Right. And I... I um, I didn't get on the jury. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't ask me any questions or anything like that. I came home and looked up the guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, five times he has been charged with uh, driving under a revoked or suspended license. Right. No less than three times he's been given a DUI. Now, not convicted each time, right. but he was given a DUI. When you go to sentence this guy, because he was convicted on the driving under revocation. Right, because when he had blown um, and his blood alcohol level was actually below 0.08. No, um, it was over. But no. they got the DRE person. Uh, I don't know what a DRE no, is. No, I no, take it. no. This, in, this case, his, this, in this case, his blood alcohol level was below 0.08. It was just below 0.08. Um, and okay. so he was found not guilty on the DUI, um, guilty on the driving while revoked. Is there so, any way, though, that you can take into account his past history on when you're sentencing or asking for a sentencing? Or since he was not convicted of a DUI this time and was not convicted of a DUI another time, does that not even come into play? Are those right. mitigating circumstances for, for sentencing but not in guilt or innocence? Okay, let's let her answer here, Dave. We're running a little short of time, but uh, go ahead, Julia. So generally, we cannot give the jury information about a defendant's prior history in order to say, look, this guy has prior DUIs, therefore this time he must have been DUI. Um, In some cases, in some types of situations, you can present that sort of evidence, but it has to be um, vetted basically by the judge 
prior to, and that is generally in um, child sex abuse cases and domestic violence cases. We can use priors to show a propensity to the jury. But otherwise, um, in DUIs and thefts and that sort of thing, we can't say, look, this guy's got a history of being a thief, so therefore he must have committed this one. Now, we can ask that the judge take that information into account in sentencing. However, certainly if they've been found not guilty, um, a judge is going to be reluctant to um, use that too much, um, too strongly in sentencing, uh, because they might be concerned that an appellate court would overturn them. So we can provide that information, present that evidence at a sentencing hearing, um, and then it just reminds me uh, of Dave. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, we're going to have to we're going to have to move on. Uh, appreciate your call. We'll take one more call before the news. Uh, Shorty is next. Hi, Shorty. Okay, to the lady. Um, I have a hoarder that hasn't lived in his house or in his condo in two or three years. Mm-hmm. What was that agency that you said to uh, the, the Champaign Urbana? The, the landlord tenant union. The Champaign Urbana landlord tenant union. Um, they provide you, assistance. Yep. Good Thank luck. You. We're in the uh, final minute, about uh, 45 seconds or so. Probably unfair to ask you this question here, but I'm always curious about in this uh, the kidnapping of the you know, by a Chinese uh, scholar. Who's doing what? Is this strictly a FBI project right now, and right. how does it affect uh, your office or the other local offices? Uh, I asked the uh, chief, uh, and he said, well, not much. It's uh, it's an FBI. It's a federal case. Um, the U of I Police Department is also in, actively involved. If they need our assistance, we'll absolutely help. Um, but at this point, it's uh, it's their case. Thank you, Julia. Always a pleasure. You're a great guest. We appreciate all the uh, the calls and uh, yes. the texts uh, that people have sent in. And maybe we'll do this again. Anytime you ask. In the here, new building. Here on DWS in Champaign-Urbana. <laughs>